I'm Kevin Price. You're listening to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm really excited. Uh, we've had uh, Jim Hancock as a regular commentary uh, provider here on the Price of Business show for quite some time. He's incredibly savvy in the technology space. And uh, recently he has uh, uh, begun to join us to do actual interviews on a regular basis about his research and work in the technology space. He's a leading authority in this, in this space. His website, by the way, is jlhancock.com. That's jlhancock.com. He's an author. Uh, he's an author of uh, primarily uh, novels, in fact, uh, that deal a lot with uh, issues that relate to technology and national security and a lot of these issues. And during his time in the military, Jim worked away in the dark, dark corners of the government intelligence communities. He learned two Asian languages and eventually conducted over 100 combat operations with special operations forces in Iraq, Afghanistan, and the Philippines. And so he has a fascinating background. Um, love having him on the program. Love doing this work with him. And, again, you can learn more about him at jlhancock.com. Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. i got to tell you, last time J.L. Hancock was on the show, uh, they uh, said uh, a long-time uh, regular feature on the show. Recently, he's gone on to do uh, um, interviews with me uh, beyond the commentaries. And i got to tell you, We've got great response, uh, particularly from one of those more recent ones about the situation was going on in uh, Israel, and uh, really the broader topic about the use of technology. And uh, it was very interesting. Uh, his insight to me is very interesting. In interesting and still underreported. Uh, there's no question about what's going on in. Uh, Hamas and that invasion is dangerous, but there's very little explanation about the clarity of uh, the technological advantage that Israel has in that is underreported, under uh, misunderstood. You know, and, and part of the problem is that uh, a lot of these reporters have virtually no experience when it comes to military or technology. This is something they picked up on, they're writing about it. There are editors who often don't know anything about it either. found <laughs> it interesting, and so they are continuing to do that. And so we're really grateful to have someone who's a real authority in this front. And uh, J.L., always love having you on the program, um, and always uh, – find it insightful. And so the response was very interesting. So we're going to talk more about that today. Uh, I would like to in future segments, not just Israel, but the use of technology and, and its use in warfare uh, as we go along. Um, so but kind of give us an update. You know, you, you really talked a lot the last time you were on uh, about what was going to unfold. It hadn't happened yet. And now we've had the actual uh, began. What have you seen? What have you observed in this front? And as always, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, so I would say in this particular front, what's interesting is it's it, it really the thing that didn't surprise me is that you have organizations like Hamas and Hezbollah have, who have been working with uh, countries like. North Korea to build out these very elaborate tunnel systems underneath the cities, 
And that has been uh, at the forefront and kind of a difficulty for managing the fight against Hamas for Israel. Now, looking at it strictly from an objective standpoint and looking at the technolo technology options that are available to the military when it comes to spaces like that, there are a number of considerations to keep in mind. And so the average American, when it comes to tunnels, they probably think about Vietnam and they picture Forrest Gump with a, a flashlight in their mouth crawling around on the ground. And that, in certain cases, may not be far from the truth. Uh, however, looking at the way, the way that things are nowadays, there's a couple of different stipulations you've got to look at technologically when it comes to managing spaces like that and managing a problem in which your adversary has created uh, an elaborate means of moving about in particular facilities. And to give you some perspective, uh, when we train on military installations and they have these facilities that are called like mount sites, military operations, urban terrain is what a mount site stands for. We actually, on almost all of those, all those facilities, there are always tunnels underneath those between the buildings. And we do that because we know that that is a potential option that our adversaries would use. And so there's been a long time we've had these particular things that we train around. So from a technological standpoint, there's two directions that could go, you could go with that. One is, less sophisticated and the other is, is as sophisticated as possible depending upon how much you want to telegraph your intent now what i mean by that is you can send nowadays they have drones made by some american and israeli companies that can fly into those spaces without gps using external sensors like lidar which uses light to do kind of like what radar does they can use ultrasonic sensors which actually use actually use sonar and then they have, they can also use uh, infrared cameras with infrared light to create maps of those environments as they move through. And they can do it without any comms on them. The problem is the drone, being a drone, makes noise. And so they, they're mm -hmm. concerned sometimes about being detected by the enemy. So the opposite end of it is, well, if you want to make as little noise as possible, now you're sneaking through carrying things like wired radios, like not even wireless radios, because a wired radio that you pay out, you can reliably communicate on, but now you've got a, a cable that's flowing behind you. That's how they did things in Vietnam. And so you've got these two dramatic ends of the spectrum where you can take these advanced sensors that can create a map of that environment underground in real time, but it requires either putting a drone in front of you or carrying a sensor by hand, or are you going in, in the standpoint of just going off of just mapping it by hand. And so there's you, you could potentially see any one of those different directions, depending upon what the unit has available to them forward and what they're willing to share. And I'm, I'm, understandably, they're very, very cagey about what it is that they're actually sharing. But from a technological standpoint, those are your main options in those spaces. And so it's interesting to see yeah, how that's going to play interesting. out. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. So I guess a silent drone would be like the holy technology. I mean, I could figure out how to make that. Yeah. So, like, have you seen the movie uh, Prometheus, like, that was the extension of the uh, Aliens movies? That, yes, uh, that yes. was actually the motivation for the American company Shield AI to create their original Nova drone, is they wanted a Prometheus-like little orb you could send into a cave that could map it all out for you in advance. And the problem is, it's just getting something to fly, you know, it's noisy. And getting something small yeah. and compact and carrying weight is even noisier because it has, it's, they're little beefy little chunky drones. And they're not the little tiny ones you think of because they have a lot of compute requirements as well as sensors. And so that makes them louder. So yeah, you're right. It is a holy grail if you get them quiet. Yeah, absolutely. So 
I know you've been watching this closely, and uh, and uh, I'd love to hear some of your your thoughts in terms of either surprises, interesting takeaways, things you see them uh, really uh, trying to change going forward. Kind of give us some of that feedback because you know what's interesting is none of the stuff is new, entirely new at least. Um, but what's new is the amount. And the, uh, the, the, I guess you say the depth and breadth of this utility, right? Of the way it's being used. And yeah. uh, to me, it makes a very interesting uh, case study. So kind of give me some of those thoughts, uh, uh, some feedback in those areas. Yeah, so I think there's two sides to that. One is the technological one, and the other is the strategic aspect of the overall philosophy of the organizations. Uh, that are both, I would say, relatively, but not relatively, they look pretty flawed. And and so from a technological standpoint, the thing that has not surprised me is the sophistication of the tunnels because of who they were coordinating with. People got to really understand that North Korea has the largest underground infrastructure on the planet. And that's that's across the board because they've been building tunnels for decades. And so they're teaching other countries how to do it effectively without causing things to collapse. So it doesn't surprise me that's expanded. What surprised me is that the tactics associated with why they're using those tunnels and how they're using those tunnels to elicit the effect against the enemy, how that has fed into the propaganda to create a binary response to either be pro-Palestinian or pro-Israel, um, regardless of the tactics being used. That's what surprised me, is that no matter what tactic is employed, that they both, their base will support them no matter what. And I think that's an interesting yet and telling and kind of disturbing element that has developed out of this because they're both yeah, using very the aggressive tactics. Yeah. D- disturbing is the word that came to my mind, you know, uh, on this. And, uh, and it, it's, uh, we're, we just live in a, an incredibly binary uh, culture. And say we, really the whole world, right? They're having the same debates around the world. We're not the only country. Uh, yeah, we've got our problems, but it seems to be global when it comes to this binary thinking. Uh, all good, all bad, and frankly, the vast majority of it uh, is great. Uh, I, I do look at, at uh, Hamas, and I look at the fact, see, and I really still separate Hamas from the Palestinian people. I think that's helpful to do because they don't, they don't see the Palestinian people as any more than fodder for their objectives or collateral damage. And not much. Yeah. Yeah, it's also an aspect so, of. Yeah, it, it just, it's just very ahead. reminiscent of the issues we ran into with the insurgencies in Iraq because it's a matter of the insurgents' tactics as well as the society condoning the behavior. And it, what ended in the in the western part of Afghan or of Iraq when it finally was local leaders stepping up and saying, we're not going to stand for this anymore. At what point in time does do the Palestinians inside the city, and that's effectively what Israel is hoping for, is that the, Israel, is the Palestinians turn on Hamas and be like, hey, we're tired of dying, because that's the only tactic that the Israelis have learned in that living in that region of the world. It doesn't make either one of those tactics from a humanitarian yes. standpoint effective. It's not, neither one of them are good. Um, yeah. But it's interesting how, I, it's interesting how, it plays into the hands from a larger propaganda standpoint. So. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to hear you say this because I've, I have speculated that that's why Israel uh, took such a hard tactic of, uh, listen, we're, we're going to do to you what the Hamas is doing to you at a, just a slower pace. 
you know, and so, uh, and we're only doing it because you're letting them do it to you and now to us. So why don't you change your, your tactic because it's not working for you? I, I, I got that. Very few people are, are talking about that, but, but to me it almost seems, don't you think? Yeah, I think, well, so the thing that's interesting is God, people, people have to, the Western world, views things on Western terms. And we think of war kind of like we thought of World War II, where it's just, you get to a point where somebody surrenders and then you, everybody just gives up and goes back to ma- managing a, a, an effective society. And they've never, those people have never been to the Middle East. That's just, the, the, yeah. resentment, the resentment and history between those, those societies runs way too deep. And the only way that Israel as a nation has survived is by implementing the same tactics that were employed against them. Now, from a Western standpoint, we can come back and be like, wow, those are savage. Like, you're coming at this way too hard. But they've learned that if they don't come back and hit with as hard a hammer as they can, that the, uh, that the, their opposition does, will not respond. And that is the interesting mm-hmm. thing looking at this because they, they came back hitting that area so difficult, uh, so hard. And the other thing to keep in mind is that the dividing lines between Gaza, the West Bank, and all those parts of Israel were not created by Israel. They're created by the UN. And and so the UN divided it. Now, how Israel Spanish that? It's that's up for debate. But at the same time, from a tactic standpoint, it, you've got to consider so many cultural his, and historical uh, aspects to why they're choosing these tactics, as opposed to just saying you shouldn't be doing this, and I, I and and then condemn them for it. Uh, it it is it is very squishy, and like you said, it's a gray space that requires a lot of uh, conversation to understand. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, final thoughts. What, what's your takeaway, and what are you going to be looking for uh, between now and the next time we talk about this? I think the most interesting thing is I, I'm really interested to see what evidence they get out of the tunnels underneath the hospital there uh, in 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 uh, Gaza because they've 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 found the tunnels that physically exist underneath, but this headquarters they claim exists. There, I'm interested to see what kind of evidence comes out of that. They've found some weapons, but and they've found people being dragged in there. But I'm I'm interested to watch and see exactly what they prove in that, and then if they let us know any of the type of technology that they're actually using. I know that some cases, I know some of the technology being used, but I'm I'm looking forward to seeing, not looking forward to, but I'm I'm looking out for um, those indicators. Yeah, absolutely. J.L. Hancock, he is a regular on the show. Uh, always love having you on. Real quickly, give your website one more time for people to get more information about you and your books, which are, I think, frustrating. Highly emotional, but done in a very informative way. You know, it's one of those, I love books where the reader's not careful, they're going to learn something, but you're usually too busy having fun. And that's a good way yeah. of describing your books. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, so my website is jlhancock.com. Yeah, go should check it out. Uh, the great, it's a great size, site, and uh, the books are very fun. I'm, this is the nationally syndicated Parts of Business show. Stay tuned for more after this.